Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Larry Hughes is going to pop out and get the ball. Jordan's going to rub his man off of Leitner and then cut down the center and gets a nice pass from Larry Hughes. All right, DC family, welcome into another Believe in Wizards podcast. As always, I'm your host, Matt Moderno. Uh, I got a good guest here for us today. One of the things we've been talking about a lot this week is just how to evaluate Wes Unsell Jr. Is he good? Is he bad? Can we know? It's a really hard one, I think, for us as fans to like get a very good grip on because there's just so much that happens behind the scenes. You know, what are what are players being told to do that maybe they aren't doing? What happens in the locker room? What are owners telling them? So because of that sort of nuance, I brought in the smartest coach that I know to be able to come in here and tell us like what he thinks is happening, what he thinks the coaching staff is doing that's working, that isn't working, what they should be doing, and just how you deal with the different personalities and locker room dynamics and, and all the different things that Coach Unseld has to manage right now or, or isn't managing right now, depending on your opinion on things. So obviously, really tough to say exactly what's going on in this specific case, but Good coaches, I think, no good coaches, right? So uh, our guest today is Coach Chris Chaney. He's been on the uh, show before with Larry and I. He coaches at Scotland Campus Prep School in Scotland, Pennsylvania, and they're perennially a top five program. I think it's fair to say Chris is the best prep school coach in the country, if not you know, one of a handful. I'm a little biased. He's a friend of mine, so I'm going to say the best. Uh, the guy's won more than 800 games, which for anybody at his age, uh, is the most in the history of prep basketball. Uh, he's won several national championships, several national coach of the year awards. His teams have been ranked number one in the country um, seven times in the last like two decades, basically, which is crazy to think about. Uh, he's coached over 141 division one players. 19 of his players have either gotten drafted or played at the NBA, coached 70 players that have played professionally, internationally. He's had a bunch of lottery picks. He might actually have more lottery picks on this team than the Wizards do, uh, if if you look at it that way. And in the 2006 NBA draft, three out of the top 31 picks were guys that had played for him uh, in the previous couple of years. So again, if you ask anybody that knows basketball really well, he may not be a household name for you, but but Coach Coach Chain here uh, definitely knows what he's talking about. I ran into Rod Strickland after the go-go game the other night and talked to him about Coach Chaney. Uh, who coached Rod's son, Terrell, a couple of years ago. And he just raved about what a smart basketball mind he was and what a good guy he is. So if anybody can kind of set us straight on, you know, the inner workings of team di- uh, team dynamics and things like that, I think Chris is the guy to do it. So like I said, we'll be bringing him on here in a minute to talk a little bit about Wes Unsell Jr. But just a quick uh, word from one of our sponsors, BetOnline. There might be less football being played, but BetOnline has way more stuff to bet on this playoff season. From scores, totals, player performance props to where the next coach fired is going to land, 
BetOnline is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. And with the new year comes a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. So just use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get started. And it's not just football. There's hockey, basketball, boxing, UFC coverage, all kinds of stuff. It's literally the best odds in the business. So if you want sports done right, all the way down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one place for online wagering. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, and let's get to our convo with uh, Coach Cheney here. All right, I'm uh, privileged to be joined here by my good buddy, Coach Chris Cheney. Uh, Chris, thanks for coming in and, and talking a little hoops with us. I oh, appreciate you having me. I, uh, I said in the little soft intro here that I just talked about how I bumped into Rod Strickland the other night, and uh, you were one of the first names to come up. So uh, it's pretty cool to see a nice little tie back to the Wizards organization here. Yeah, I mean, Rod's a great guy. Getting to know him a couple years ago, and I mean, I always remember going to the Capitol Center and watching him play. He was always one of my favorite players. So to get to get to know him and coach his son and to meet other members of his family, I mean, it's uh, it's definitely it was a great experience. Uh, yeah, for sure. And his son, Terrell, for anybody local that's near James Madison, go check them out. Uh, he's the point guard for that team and, and having a pretty good season. So, uh, Chris, just to lead us off here, I got to give you credit. You were the first person I ever heard say publicly that the Wizards should trade Bradley Beal, except you did this probably six or seven years ago. So you were ahead of the trend here. Uh, so I just I had to give you props for that one to start out. I think you maybe ended up being right on that. It, I guess, I guess. <laughs> I, I fought that for a very long time, but I think I finally come around to, uh, you know, maybe you were onto something there. So, I, you know, Wes Unsell Jr. is kind of under fire here lately. Uh, and I, I think this is the hardest thing for, you know, us as fans to evaluate, like what, what goes on behind the scenes for a coach, what goes into coaching. And we heard recently that there had been like a leaked report, you know, that a player texted a, a media member that, quote, the inmates are running the asylum. That's never a thing you want to hear about your team. If you're a coach, like if you've lost the team, how do you get him back? Can you get him back? Like, is this kind of a lost cause with him in this group? Like, what's what's your sense there if that is the case? I mean, number one, the reports, you don't know what's really happening. I mean, at the end of the day, like I was telling you before, God on air is, you know, unless you're at the practices, unless you're at the team meetings, unless you're all that kind of stuff, you don't know what's going on. And I like I've told our my team, and this is at any level, anything, the thing about the Wizards this year, in my opinion, and I haven't watched them much, but enough, but I do follow them, obviously, through you and all that stuff. But they got off to such a good start. Everybody was saying, oh, how hard they're playing, what a team type thing. And that's when they were winning more than they were losing. Sure. And like I tell my team, tell any team, you're going to go through, and this is especially in the NBA, when the season's 82 games and mm -hmm. long and all that kind of, you're going to go through bad times. So, I mean, shoot, last year uh, towards the end of the season, they were ready to fire Milwaukee's coach. Yep. Well, I mean, I don't think they're firing him anymore. Yeah, so, is he a better coach now than he was yeah. a month, you know, month yeah. before? So, I mean, so my point is it's not, yes, you're going to fight through tough times. You're going to do all that kind of stuff. The key is when you go through those tough times, you got to stay consistent and you got a hundred percent buy in. And 
And those are, t- I mean, those are because you're getting it, especially in nowadays society, you're getting it uh, Twitter, Instagram, every, every way, media, all that kind of stuff. So you almost got to easier said than done is, is avoid the noise. But again, that's hard to do, especially in today's society. But again, you're going to go through bad times. You're going to go, you're going to have losing streaks. You're going to have all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, it's where you finish. If you do have one of those tough stretches and you can see guys starting to waver a little bit, like, is there something you do as a coach? Like, is there stuff you try? Do you just kind of like reiterate to them? You got to weather the storm. Like what's, what's the best way to pull out of something like that? I mean, the best thing to do is be honest with them, talk to them um, as groups, as Mm -hmm. individuals, as anything you can possibly do to get them in the mindset that you want them in. And again, give them, give them some type of goal or things of that nature. And one thing we're always talking about with us is winning each day. I mean, you got to win each day and, and that's, for the younger guys, um, that's a little bit tougher because, again, they're not used to, like in the prep school world, The my guys have all been their top guy or one of the top two guys on their team their whole life. So to go come into a place like mine and now you got to figure out a role, now you got to fight for playing time, now you got to get hard coaching all the time. It's not the easiest thing, but guess what? That's what they need to figure out their goal at the end of the day. And that's and that's what we talk about a lot. It's not about win games, of course, our guys to get better, but it's to develop those everyday habits for them to be prepared for what's coming to them after that. And this is one of the reasons why I thought you would be like able to shed some perspective on this, because part of the excuse we've heard the last two years are hey, there's a lot of new players. You know, there's a lot of moving pieces. Oh, it's so hard to integrate guys on the fly. Like for prep school, you have basically a brand new team every year. And your whole job is to integrate these guys on the fly, quickly evaluate who can be in what roles and and who can kind of help the team and then change if you need to. We've heard from uh, Kyle Kuzma and Spencer Dinwiddie and Bradley Beal in the last two weeks that the roles still aren't defined for these guys and they haven't been able to settle on a rotation. Like what more do you need to see as a coach after 50 games that you can't identify what roles guys would be most successful in? Yeah. And again, I'm going to take the coaches, the perspective of this. I mean, again, it's coming from players and sometimes with players, especially at that level, they're uh, really any level there when they bad things happen, they turn to uh, excuse or put it, put the blame on somebody else and stuff like that. But I think successful teams, your top guys have to be the hardest workers. They got to be the, they got to be able to, to track negative things to their teammates. They got to figure some stuff out. And that's why when you, uh, when you see like the spurs of the past and those type of teams, those guys buy in a hundred percent. So even if they go on a two-game losing streak or a three-game losing streak or whatever it is, hey, we're still doing what we got to do. We just got to get a little bit better at doing this, make the right adjustments there, make the right adjustments here, and go with it. But unfortunately for Washington, in my opinion, is and we've talked about this before, is they they're stuck in that middle area. Mm-hmm. So you're stuck in the middle where you're where you want to be. 
exactly. Especially in the, in the NBA. I mean, every every league's different, but they're always stuck in uh, from the five to the twelve, somewhere in the middle of that. And that's a tough place to be. And and the thing about also is they got more. They got guys that one day this guy's good, the next day this guy's good, the next day this guy's good, and that's. You could think that's good, but sometimes that's it, that can be negative too because you want to see if a Gafford can play 82 games the same way he can play three games. And in NBA, that's what – if you want to get a, a, D, a next deal or whatever, you got to be a consistent guy. It can't be, well, I had 24 against Cleveland back in uh, October 31st. Well, today's February – I mean, tomorrow's February 1st, so what's your point? So you got to be consistent. You got to be, and that, and that's what, I mean, I think probably that's what the coaches are probably trying to figure out who's the guys we can go with, who's guys that are going to be there for 82 games. And they know, I, I mean, I, I would think they know they're not going to win an NBA championship this year. So they're trying to figure out, okay, who can we go with next year? Who's, you know, obviously, contracts and all that salary cap and all that stuff goes into it too but it's it's easier said than done when you get uh basically a whole new team with a coaching staff and all that kind of stuff so i mean what i've seen from coach Unsell and and all those guys i mean it's, it seems like especially at the beginning of the year that they were they had attention to detail. They were doing all that kind of stuff and they were winning some games. Maybe they shouldn't have won. A little, a little lucky a couple times. Sure. Yeah, and now the luck's starting to turn the other way. So again, goes back to the first point is uh, you just got to fight through it. I mean, at the end of the day, Hey, we're going to play, we're going to play a hard 48 minutes. We're going to do everything possible to win. We're going to have attention to detail. We're going to do this. If we win, we win, we lose, we lose. Um, I mean, big saying in coaching now is either win or you learn. And that's, that's a, uh, that's a thing, especially in the NBA that you got to figure out. But I think for Washington's sake, they got to figure out, okay, what's our identity? Who are we going to try to be? Who's going to be with us for the long haul? What do we need? How we're going to play? I mean, hopefully that's what they're trying to figure out right now. So we heard a lot about how, like, West Unsell Jr. is a defensive-minded coach. They wanted to build kind of in that image, be a tough no, you know, a tough, hard-nosed, defensive-minded team. And then we've seen recently that Daniel Gafford is out of the rotation and went from starter to not playing at all. And now Thomas Bryant will start. And it, they said kind of it's not a reflection on Gafford's play, but then also kind of nitpicked about his energy level in the Clippers game. It's just hard to reconcile for fans. Like if you say you want to be a defensive-minded team, that you would literally bench the only rim protector on the team because you want to quote clean up like a log jam at the center position. So I'm sure as many talented guys as you've had, Chris, like when you have three really good guys at a position, you know, how do you how do you kind of whittle that down into naturally who should play or who shouldn't play? I, I agree with what you said, and I was going to make the point about it, him being a rim protector. I mean, I think that's very important. And, uh, and again, it goes back to what your identity is. If your identity is, hey, uh, we want to stretch five who can really shoot it and we, we'll take his defense here and there, whatever it is. But, I mean, defensively, I mean, Gafford, I mean, he's long, athletic. 
I mean, especially early on, I think he was cleaning up some of the stuff that, yeah. that getting guys beat off dribble and maybe pick and roll coverage, whatever. And he was helping out where maybe other guys can't do it. So again, I think it goes back to who you want to be and, and go with it. But the thing about it is I think they're going to have to come up and again. You don't know. Are they trying to win? Are they trying to be the nice seed or they don't want to be the nice? You never know what's behind closed doors and all that kind of stuff. Just got to find out who they want to be and go with it. We've heard some rumblings that they're trying to like feature, you know, some of the veteran guys a little more heavily to help drum up trade value. So that's why Harold's yeah, about to say that too. You might right before trade deadline, there might be a guy. I mean, we all, I've talked to you about this before. I mean, if I want to trade a bill or trade somebody, even though bills got great, uh, obviously value already, but you want to make sure, let's say they want to trade, trade somebody else. Well, get them a couple a Thomas Bryant, I, let's get him a couple 20-point games where mm-hmm. he can showcase a little bit, play him a little bit more minutes, maybe even play him in the second group a little bit more to get get more Better stats against reserves and stuff. So stuff like that, you know, again, you don't know. They got to find out. They got to find out uh, who they want, who they want in the long run or who's got the best trade value, all that kind of stuff because teams will – I mean, teams – Somebody asked me actually the other night, who do you all I think is going to win the NBA championship? And my my uh, my answer was, I'll let you know after the trade deadline. Sure. So again, you don't know who's who's going to pick up that one guy who can who can be a great second teamer, or who's that one guy that can get that role guy to, to step it up. So again, a lot of teams are very close this year, and maybe one player away. So. Yeah, maybe you can get somebody that that panics because they need a backup center and they want to trade a first round pick for Harold. But but it, to me, I mean, it's just like like Utah losing Ingles. Yeah. I mean, hey, they you don't know what they're looking for now. They might need a guy. I don't KCP know. KCP might interest them, perhaps. Yeah. So you don't you don't know. So again, it's it's um, obviously we all know it's a players league, but it, it's 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 also a league where the certain teams that have their identity set. And I mean, you always know uh, Miami heat, uh, Utah jazz, those type of teams, you know, they're going to play hard. They're going to play the right way. And there's no accident by it's not just, it's not just who they got on the team. It's just the identity they brought to the culture they have. Yeah. I think it just, like it hurts your credibility with fans, at least. I hope that the case is not with the with the players here too. But like, if you talk about defense and everybody gets up there and says, "Hey, we're not defending anymore. We've got to start defending." That's every press conference. You've got your coach saying that we got to play with energy, and then you blow a thirty-five point lead. And yeah, Gafford fouls a little too much, but it's the whole John Thompson thing. Like, I'd rather calm down a fool than try to raise a corpse. Like. He's fouling too much because he's kind of too energetic and too spazzy. The minute he came out, it became a layup line. And now he's totally out of the rotation and you say, oh, well, it's nothing personal. Like if I'm a player, you've totally lost me for the rest of the year. And Gafford just signed an extension too. Like if you do lose a player, like how do you get them back from something like that? Yeah. I mean, that's tough to go. And again, it's, I at every level, it's a little different. I mean, at the NBA level, you're dealing with 
the entourages, the agents, yep. the financial advisors, the all that kind of stuff. So again, they're hearing it from all of them and all that kind of stuff. But like I tell our guys, you always want to look at the the end goal, all that kind of stuff. Everybody wants to be a pro. Everybody wants to do that. Well, if you want to be a pro, you got to be great at your role, whatever it is. And I don't know what the percentage is. Everybody always says 95%, but 95% of the time in, in the NBA are role guys. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, for making millions of dollars, I would love to be a role guy. I had no problem sitting in the corner and shoot threes. So at the end of the day, it's finding your role, finding your niche, do what you got to do to help the team win. And a big phrase of ours is impact winning. And no matter what, are we better with you on the court or without you on the court? And you got to impact winning. It might be scoring. It might be making that extra pass. It might be defending. It might be, be the energy guy, whatever it is, you, you got to find that. And especially the NBA, when you got the, uh, the G league and all that kind of stuff, you, I mean, if wizards have a lot of those fringe guys and they've done good with some of them actually. And, but those fringe guys, I mean, they can go away really quick mm-hmm. because there's a lot of guys that yeah, aren't in the league, yeah. aren't in the league that could easily be in the league. So Again, it, it's with the Wizards. I think they just got to find, hey, these are the guys we're going to go with. Here's what we need free agency. Here's what we're looking for in the draft. Here's overseas. Maybe we can get a this guy type of guy. So, again, and then find out how they want to play and, and stick with it. Don't say, okay, we want to be a defensive team. And then three weeks later, okay, we're going to outscore everybody. So, Again, I mean, players see that, hear that, and I um, mean, feel it. So if they're not, and especially in today's society, you got to be talking to these guys like twenty four seven. I mean, twenty. I mean, my team just had an awful practice today. I mean, we were so good the last couple of days, mindset wise. Today we gave them two days off after Saturday and Sunday. You would thought. It was first day here, having played basketball. Got everything and, you taught them already. And the mindset was just completely off. Yeah. So my point is, hey, they've had 48 hours of whatever they were doing. So it's it's a constant thing, and but you got to obviously stay on top of it. Yeah, they've talked a lot about like just accountability. And even some of the players have talked about how they lack accountability. And And you said like, you know, your best player has to be accountable basically right like he has to be and actually let me start with this i'm of the opinion that your best player doesn't have to be your leader like but he has to or your most vocal leader they have to lead by example and they have to be able to like take it and own it you know when they do something wrong and and we've heard a lot of stuff from from beal about uh well he thinks the trade deadline is affecting people's agendas and kind of disrupting the team uh, that he was surprised the team blew a 35-point lead and he had to come back in. He said that guys are focused too much on their offensive roles and their shots, which is affecting their defense. All those things to me sound like throwing teammates under the bus. And I got to think other players hear that too. Like it, that just seems like that would create dissension on a team. Like, So what do you do if your best player is maybe also your least accountable player? Obviously, it's different at the NBA level, but I mean, I'm big on. I, I don't want to hear the excuses. 
solution type situation, especially coming from him. Um, um, You got to, because again, everybody's going to take what he says to heart. So again, it's, I'd rather him say, well, guys, I got to get better. I got to, I got to do what I got to do. We got to figure this stuff out. So again, instead of saying negative thoughts, negative thoughts, negative thoughts, make them positive and spin it the other way. So again, train them to, to really talk about that, have meetings with them and figure it out. That even helps him too, because I think even though he, he definitely shows some to things of leadership at times, but it's mostly when, like most people, when things are going well. And the camera's so, around. Yeah. So again, it's, again, you don't know what's happening in the locker room. You don't know what's said after the game, all that kind of stuff. So I don't know. I mean, I, I what are they, 10th or 11th now in the East? Yeah, so, I think 11th at the moment. Yeah, so there's a lot of ball left. But they gotta they gotta figure it out pretty quick. Our uh, mutual friend Sam always says you get a point of uh, point the thumb and not the finger, and and that's the the issue I think with Beal's comments a lot of the time. Um, so obviously you're not in NBA locker rooms, but you are around guys being recruited to big time colleges and things like that, and, and you see where your guys end up. You know, at at the NBA level, sometimes even like you hear all the time from college coaches that things like body language and their attitude and how they interact with teammates, it really impacts like guys, whether they want to take them on or not. And all anybody in this Washington fan base talks about are is Beal's body language during these games. He's always pouting. He's always complaining. He's not getting back. He has recently said like, I need to stop doing that, which I guess is a sign of growth. But, you know, if college coaches and, and coaches at your level and, all care so much about that. Like are NBA GMs paying attention to things like that? Do you think before they're offering guys $250 million contracts? Cause that would be a big red flag to me. I would hope so. I would hope so. I mean, we talk to our guys all the time about being different. Don't be like everybody else. And unfortunately for the younger guys, um, they watch more NBA than they do college. So they, they see that kind of stuff. And Again, he's got to get better at the, having the next play philosophy. And and sometimes for me to watch Washington, I, not just Beal, but a lot of these NBA guys, they just complain too much. And and it's, it's again, that goes back to not saying the Utahs and the Miamis and all those guys don't complain, but, hey, they're, they're doing what they got to do. Mm-hmm. It's not costing they're... them games. Yeah, it's not costing them two points down the other end. So it's, again, that goes into the whole culture thing. I mean, want to find out who they're going to be. Hey, does he fit what we want? If he doesn't fit what we want, somebody else will. It might be where they have to blow the whole thing up. It might be where they might think they're a couple players away. But they're they're definitely in a tough tough spot right now. Is that a habit you can even break with younger kids at your level? Like I got to imagine even harder for a 28 year old guy to get him to stop doing that. Cause he's been allowed to do it for so long. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think you can break it. There's no, especially at our, uh, our kids are our age. Um, but at the, I mean, if it was me, I'd be, I would have to try to have the best relationship I possibly could have with a, a Bradley Beal type because how talented he is and how how when he's on his game he's pretty tough to stop. But they say, hey Brad, we need to 
I got to show you this video and show, hey, show 20 times where he didn't get back or he was complaining where things happened. So they might do that already. But mm-hmm. again, you got to, if he, if he trusts you and you trust him and, and you have that type of relationship, yeah, you can, you can do that stuff. And then you show him 20 things where he was doing it really good and say, Hey, look, then you go back and say, well, and there's 20 things. We won 18 of those games. We lost 17 of those. So, I mean, even track it, even yeah. make it a, a, a goal away. I'm not going to do that more than once a game. I'm not going to do that, all that kind of stuff. And and again, the refs, these refs know each player nowadays, so they know who's going to complain the most, who's not. And, and, I mean, so if a guy who never complains gets fouled and he starts complaining, then they're going to take that more consideration than the guy that complains every every play. I think that's a great point because that's one of the things we always talk about here too is just like of the air quote superstar guys, it seems like Beal gets the least calls of, of anybody that's that caliber player. But, you know, he's also complaining a hell of a lot too. And and referees are people and, and they don't want to be shown up by the same guy on every play. No, we've heard this phrase before. You got to play the game within the game a little bit. So it's, it's a... Uh... I was telling our guys that we had a big game last week and I said, you got these refs, you got to be friendly with, you got to tell them, Hey, coach, coach says you guys are the best refs we've ever had. (laughs) And I mean, I actually said that quote to them during the game. They're like, Oh yeah, you're one of our favorites. I said, exactly. And I just turned to the bench and smirk and all that kind of stuff. And for some reason we get the next couple of calls. So again, I think it's, you gotta, I mean, the refs don't want to hear it all the time. And when, especially in close games, where we talked about before, there's a lot of those 50, 50 calls. And when those 50, 50 calls come, I mean, they're going to go with the guy. I mean, they might not admit this, but they're going to go with the guy that's not complaining all the time. And the guy that's maybe and credibility with them. Yeah. Yeah. And you, everybody says, Oh, this team always gets the calls. Well, there may be a reason for it. You always hear people say things like, oh, that's a relationship business. Well, I think all businesses are relationship businesses at the end of the day. You mentioned film study, and I want to touch on that in a second, but just a quick timeout for an ad read here. What I'm about to say might shock you, but the greatest quarterback of all time is not just a goat on the field. He's a goat when it comes to investing too. He invests in stocks, cryptos, and even art. Now you can invest like the goat with Masterworks. Masterworks is the investment platform that lets you buy shares representing an investment in art from icons like Picasso, Monet, and Warhol. And even great art price outpaced the S&P 500 by 164% from 1992 to 2021. In fact, early investors already received 30% IRR 2020 and 2021 from the sale of two paintings. This is your opportunity to join 300,000 other members and invest like the GOAT. Get priority access with their game day promo. Go to masterworks.art slash believe. That's masterworks.art slash believe. And then you can see important disclosures at masterworks.io slash disclaimer. All right, back to the show here. Chris, you just talked a little bit about um, watching film with guys and things like that. And they said after the Clippers loss, Wes Unsell Jr. uh, sat everybody down and made them watch the entire second half of the Clippers game, you know, without pause, it wasn't cut up into clips. They just sat and watched the whole thing uh, straight through. And he said, you know, that's obviously unusual. Um, I guess, you know, if you have any insight into one, 
do you think something like that's actually effective for those guys to make them see the whole thing start to finish and to what their film study probably normally looks like? Yeah. I mean, you got to know your team. So at the end of the day, obviously coach Unsell knows his team, knows that team better than anybody else. So he, he's got to know, does that help? Does that not help? Obviously if he didn't think it wouldn't help, then he wouldn't have showed it. But I mean, again, you want to make sure you're catching their attention so it doesn't happen again and things of that nature. But again, if they were watching it, you want to make sure the guys paying attention, paying attention and getting the point. So maybe, Hey, you're, you're pushing the negative a lot. And then at the end say, guys, hopefully we'll never have to show this type of thing ever again and leave it on a positive. So, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that's basically it on that, on that part. When you guys watch film with your players, is it, is it individual clips? Is it stuff with the whole team? Like how does film study work for you guys? I think it goes, I mean, we've done it different, different years. And I think it um, really, really more about tendencies and stuff like that when we're mm-hmm. scouting other teams. So we're basically in the mindset, the attention to details, not as good with kids nowadays. So you almost got to, you can't give them a scout report of 10 pages and say, okay, this, 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 they'll be like, I don't know what the hell is he's talking about. So don't let him drive. Right. That's about it. <laughs> so again, you want to make it simplify it, but on the other hand, have a couple, two or three big time things that, Hey, we're taking this way. Here's what you're, we're trying to do. Here's what we're about and go with it. And I'm a big, more of a big, I mean, believer in, do what you do. I mean, mm. more than just other guys. And with your own team, I mean, yeah, you could do it individually. You could do it as a team. But again, just trying to always, especially with prep school, high school kids, always teaching. I mean, at the end of the day, when they do something right, explain to them why they did it right. When they're doing something wrong, explain to them, hey, this is why you did this is why it didn't work. This is so again, practices, all that kind of stuff, uh, skill development. It just trying to create those habits. And that's easier said than done because like, like you said earlier, these guys have been doing that for their whole life and have had success. So when they come here and some guy saying, Hey, no, that's not right. They're like, well, my success is otherwise. Yeah. (laughs) So again, it's, the guys that buy in the guys that want to get better for some crazy reason, get where they want to get to. I'm always surprised by the stuff I, you know, you and I talk about that are things you have to reinforce with these guys that are, you know, post high school graduates that are going to go to big time division one schools are four and five star recruits. And, and there are plenty of guys that some of these NBA guys were just so talented. It didn't matter. And nobody was going to take the time to correct them on fundamentals. So you get all the way to the NBA and like there are bad habits and bad tendencies. And I don't know how you break that for those guys by the time they've already gotten to that point. It's tough. I mean, at the end of the day, when you get to that level, it's obviously a lot tougher. Um, But again, you got to throw the carrot out there a little bit. Uh, It's like, okay, you got a contract year coming up. You better figure stuff out pretty quick. So again, you got to, persuade them in in different ways and and as a coach it's you got to find that uh, you got to find how you can get the most out of each kid and that's obviously easier said than done but 
every kid is different. I mean, um, um, I'm a believer on people saying, well, uh, treat everybody the same, all that kind of stuff. Well, no. I mean, we're, we have the same standards, but at the end of the day, you're treating everybody different because everybody is different. So, again, our job is to get the most out of each kid and to get them ready for that next level. And and I think hopefully we do a good job of that, but it's it's definitely not the easiest thing. We heard earlier in the season there was a athletic report about some of the players being unhappy with their role in the offense, their shot attempts, uh, their playing time, all those things. And there were some passive aggressive media comments that just, you know, supported that. Uh, and Wes Unseld Jr. had kind of an inter- interesting response. It was, you know, Hey, I'm a professional. I expect them to be professional. If they have a problem, my door's always open. And I, you know, I was like, okay, it's early in the year. And, you know, we hear that he's like a low key guy all the time. So I don't expect him to like, you know, like be the fire and brimstone coach, but do you have to kind of like, whether you're a low key guy or not, are there certain teams like where you have to like adjust your own personality to get through to certain guys? Like, does he have to be more fiery with this group potentially, or, or, you know, what's your stance on like kind of adjusting to the, to the team? I I've like this year's team for me, it's been frustrating for me because if I don't bring a hundred percent crazy energy and I'm a crazy guy, we're not getting the most out of our guys where mm-hmm. I've had teams in the past where by this time of the season, Hey, it's more, Hey, let's do what we got to do, make adjustments here and there, all that kind of stuff. So again, I think you do have to adjust. I think you do have to do certain things, but again, it's tougher. I mean, just for coaches to get them out of if you have the same personality and don't have that inside of you, it's, that could be difficult. There's no doubt about it. So, um, again, not in the locker room, all that kind of stuff. So again, I think he's, he's obviously been around great teams and, and been around successful teams. So again, he's, he's going to find his guys. And I think in my opinion, that's what they're trying to figure out right now. So we uh, there, there was some reporting by Kevin O'Connor of the athletic today that uh, Spencer Dinwiddie might potentially be on the trading block because quote, his teammates there don't love him. And uh, Dinwiddie recently said when asked about his role as a leader on the team, he said, it's an interesting situation. I spoke up a little bit early on in the season and it wasn't necessarily welcomed. Well, you can take that from two ways, whether maybe it wasn't welcome from the coaches or his teammates or potentially, you know, Bradley Beal. Uh, uh, we heard stuff about like a fight that happened that got immediately leaked and all these kinds of things. Like those are bad signs to me about like, you know, your cohesion and your team, you know, your team chemistry and things like that. Is it common for a point guard to not be like a leader on a team? I always just kind of associate the two things. It seems like a bad sign to me that, air quotes teammates don't like Dinwiddie already yeah I mean you gotta have you gotta be I'm not saying you gotta be well liked or anything but you gotta have the respect Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day you're making a lot of decisions and stuff like that and and you gotta even though you might not be the leader you gotta you gotta lead in certain aspects so I mean at the end of the day that's all about getting the right free agents, not saying he's not the right one. Again, I haven't watched enough to say he's not, but 
you got to get the right guys. I mean, you got to get, okay, I want, this is the type of team I want to be. That's the guy we want to get. You might not get that guy, but you got to get a guy just kind of like him. So again, that's trying to fit, fit all that in because again, if the guys don't buy in a hundred percent, it ain't going to work, especially at that level. And then once, once the snowball keeps going down the hill, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then it's not going to be good. Yeah. And then that's honestly what I worry about is like, at what point does this become, you know, irreconcilable but between him, especially him and Beal, right? Like we heard coming in, he wanted to be here because he and Beal were buddies and he liked where the team was going and, and all that stuff. And it just looks like they don't have good chemistry. And you would think if that was a good dynamic and Beal himself has said he's not a vocal leader, like he would welcome stuff like that. So I don't know who's rejecting that if it's not Beal, you know, at least to some extent. If, you know, if somebody like your point guard and your shooting guard can't get on the same page and they're clearly not seemingly like a good fit for each other, is there a point where it just becomes like too much to fix and, and you really do have to cut bait on somebody? Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, if it gets to that point, again, they've both had success and they've both been successful at different things and they both obviously can really score the ball. So, but if they don't, if, if they can't cover his eyes and all that kind of stuff, it's, they just can't do it. I mean, at the end of the day, you got to figure out what's best for who you want to keep, who you don't want to keep and, and figure it out. We've talked a lot about just like the meshing of personalities and stuff like that, but even just like on court stuff in, in terms of coaching adjustments, you know, we saw Tyron Lue in the second half of a game, come back from 35 down and make a ton of different adjustments. Their only adjustment was to take out Gafford, which like five minutes into the third quarter was clearly not a good idea when you just kept giving up layup after layup. And we hear time and time again on the broadcast that, oh, this team went into a zone and now the Wizards have no idea what to do about that. Like 50 games in, I would imagine you would at least have some things installed with your team. Like, hey, when this team does this, we counter by doing this. And I don't know, I would just imagine it's probably pretty straightforward stuff across the NBA. Like, here's how you counter a zone. Yeah, I mean, you would think, but at the end of the day, it's, hey, they the old phrase is, it's not what the coaches know, it's what the players know. So yeah. coach might know a lot, but if the players don't understand what he's saying or whatever, it, it doesn't matter. So, um, But it's on the coach. I mean, we've heard him say he's yeah, dumbed, dumbed down the offense, right? Like, how, how do you make them get it? You just keep trying until they do? You keep trying different I mean, ways? The thing is, again, these guys have done this their whole life, had success doing it, and now – when bad things happen, they 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 again don't have the right mindset to to make it make it go. Because at the end of the day, I don't know what the standings are, but I know they can't be that far from from the playoffs. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. They're close. I mean, a couple a couple adjustments, <laughs> you know, one way or the other could, could really swing this for them. Uh, I saw, see, I did see something in their next next five games. are pretty are not. It's tough. Very, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that that could be kind of make or break the whole season, honestly. And I really expected, you know, like I'm, I'm sure you've seen this firsthand, right? If you have a bad loss, it goes one or two ways. It either rallies everybody together and galvanizes the team or it can kind of break you. 
And I really was just sort of weirdly optimistic that it would be a very Wizards move for them to come back against Memphis, a good team who's hot, and either maybe not win, but at least like put in a hell of a showing. And they were just flat again. And I think that goes to your point about cycling in the right guys and personnel and maybe getting more there. Hopefully they're kind of guys. Uh, so yeah, it, it, this could go really bad if, if this road trip does not, um, you know, play out differently than we expect. I think. When is the trade deadline? Uh, it's February 10th. I want to say either the 10th or the 14th, all the dates are sort of running together. I want to say the 10th. Gotcha. So we, we got, you know, 10 days here realistically to figure out. Um, yeah, I'm sure it's a big stretch for him. I mean, so. Uh, last thing we talked about, like guys getting bad habits and stuff like that. After all this went down, after the Clippers loss, you have uh rookie Isaiah Todd. That was the 31st pick. He's been mostly with playing for the go-go hasn't really gotten minutes with the wizards. It's announced right before they're supposed to play his old, uh, team, the G league ignite, uh, that he suspended for one game for conduct detrimental to the team. I mean, to me that would be another really bad sign here that just given the timing of that, like, okay, maybe the rookie mouthed off a little bit, like it's not too big a deal in a vacuum, but just when that happens, um, screams red flag to me. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. I mean, timing of it probably wasn't the best because I'm sure he was looking forward to playing against them and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But again, you don't know, you don't know what happens. I mean, especially in the NBA. I mean, it's, it's obviously a player's league, but you want to, I don't know what they, what it would be for. I mean, it might've been a missing practice or mm-hmm. late or something or, or whatever it was. But again, with those, sometimes that might be good with a younger guy that you might believe in and trying to set a standard for him. Sure. So again, it's just, Hey, if he's if he's worth it, then that, that's when you can establish a relationship with him. Make sure he's understands why it happened, and hey, let's move forward. Let's forget about it. Let's do what we got to do to make sure it doesn't happen again. After that Clippers game, they made a point. Uh, Wes Unsell mentioned this twice that he had individual meetings with each of the players. Like it, it sounded like it was something that was like so out of the norm. And I just figured like you have 20 assistant coaches on the bench. It seems like I would think that they're meeting with every player every day, almost in some capacity or every couple of days for a check-in or a sit down or, or whatever that is. Like, yeah, it just seems I'd like probably, that shouldn't be that uncommon. I probably not. I'll be honest with you. I don't yeah. think, I mean, I think that the guys have relationships with them, but sure. I don't think they have a, they might sit down during a shoot around and might not be official or. Yeah. Space. That's what I meant. Like pull you to the side, we'll watch them film sure. together, you know, Hey, what happened the other night? Like check in kind of stuff. I'm not that closed door meeting. Certain teams aren't that close. I mean, practice is over. They're gone. You, you'll see them, whatever. Certain teams, they'll go out to dinner together. They'll do this. So I think that goes about the culture and all that kind of stuff too. You always heard those Spurs teams that Popovich took people out to dinner and he bought wine for the team. And, you know, it was legendary, like the team dinners and stuff like that. And and all those guys, like, I don't know, half the former assistants there, coaches in the league are things they've tried to instill elsewhere. I mean, do you think guys have to at least, you know, be able to spend some time together and, and enjoy each other's company to, to be a good winning team? 
I don't think you have to. I just think it makes it more enjoyable. And I think I think if you you always want to play for each other, and that's mm-hmm. not just players and players, it's coaches and players, all that kind of stuff. So again, if you're not boxing out or you're not running the floor as hard as you can. Hey, you're letting your teammates, you're letting your coaches down, all that kind of stuff. If I'm not coaching as hard as I possibly can, I'm letting you down. Mm-hmm. So again, it's all about just accountability. It's about doing everything possible to make you guys the best you possibly be and and all that kind of stuff. And and that makes it a lot easier, win or lose. Hey, we did everything we possibly could do. We just didn't win this game or we won this game because of that. So I mean, it just makes it more enjoyable. I mean, it's always good that when you see guys do things that they've never done before. And that's, I mean, I think that's it for any level. Because, I mean, there's great stories in the NBA or the guys that, man, I never heard of this guy. Where did he come from? And he ends up being a, a really good player for his team. Yeah, right. And and to for somebody to kind of come out of nowhere, his teammates have to like, give him enough uh, respect to like allow him to do that too. And if you don't like somebody, you're probably not going to throw this nobody the ball and, you know, those kind of things. No, I mean, it's always great when, I mean, again, you want to have, you're not going to have this with all players, but you want to have good relationships as with as many guys you can possibly have. Because at the end of the day, obviously NBA is different, but winning and losing is not as important. I mean, I just I just got a DM the other day from Darius Johnson Odom and he was checking on me and seeing how I was doing and stuff like that. So that type of stuff means a lot more than winning games. And I remember Larry talking about like, you know, Wes Unsell Jr. was that kind of assistant coach for him. Like he's got that kind of personality and maybe just, you know, hasn't fully uh, taken root with these guys. All right. Last question I got for you here, Chris. Trade deadline's coming up. If if you're uh, Tommy Shepard for a day, <laughs> putting you on the spot here, are you uh, are you blowing it up? Or are you going all in? Are you making some kind of minor tweaks to the deadline to try to see if you can make a playoff push? Like what what route would you go here? Obviously, don't know the salary cap situation, but on the other hand, I I, I would I would definitely see what's out there, try to make some big big moves. I guess you could say so. I'm not saying who or what, yeah. but I think you know what I mean. And yeah. I would try to again start start basically the process. I mean, he's coaches hopefully figure out, okay, this is what we want to be. Let's we're not we're not there yet. It's gonna take a year or two, whatever. Let's start the process and let's go who we want to get for. So would Ben Simmons on the Wizards interest you? <laughs> the, the Beal replacement, that's the hot name. And to me, that just yeah, seems like kind of more of the same. Yeah, we talk about a mindset thing. So, again, uh, you hear all the different stuff about him and all that kind of stuff. I, I would think, again, very talented and all that. Is he a leader? Uh, I, 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 I question that he, he is a leader. I question that. But, again, he should – as talented as he is, he should have something to prove on his next stop. And that um, uh, shut some people up and stuff like that. If if he had that, hey, I'll, I'll show you that I am good. I am one of the best. So, 
again, I think it all comes down to how they feel about them and all that kind of stuff. The Wizards are down. Georgetown is down. Maryland is down. If teams want to be just inside, uh, you know, the the DMV area here and see some actual good basketball uh, up at Scotland campus, how how can they find you? How can they look up the team schedule? All those things. Um, how you how know, do folks come see you? Yeah, definitely give the school a call and definitely. Um, I mean, we got a big, a uh, couple big games coming up and home. We have a big home tournament um, with our conference on uh, February 28th and March 1st. And you got some really good teams from around the country coming into play. So that would probably be the best event to come to. I think over the last couple of years, there are so many guys randomly that I've mentioned that I like as NBA players that are guys uh, you've recently coached events. I remember Anthony Simons, Obi Toppin. Uh, there's somebody else pretty recently too. Oh, Jalen LeCue that went to Phoenix. Um, like, uh, any, anybody I'm missing in the last couple of years that have come through there that, that you guys have played yeah. against? I mean, there's so many good, I mean, people don't realize, I mean, it doesn't get the publicity high school gets, but the prep school, high level prep school basketball is so good. I mean, it's every team, every top 10, 15 teams got up here seven eight division one kids on the team so i mean it is college basketball basically good good basketball the coaches are really good i mean it's so especially at some of these big time tournaments so um again it's i've been lucky to have some great players some great coaches but we've definitely played against some of the best so that's chris cheney everybody the coach at scotland campus one of the top handful of prep schools in the country this year. I'm not sure what the current rankings are, but I'm sure you guys will be there at the end of the year uh, in, in one of these national tournaments. So Chris, thanks again for coming on and giving us some coaching insight. I appreciate you. I hope you guys like that. Uh, again, Chris is one of the guys I always talk basketball with. He's been really cool over the last couple of years to give me playbooks from NBA teams and things like that and, and walk me through who's doing what and what they're running and what that means. So I think a lot of the stuff I know about the sport uh, have come from him. So hopefully that came through in the interview. Again, their team is really fun to watch. That, that's one of my sort of um, favorite things to do is just drive the hour north for me up uh, right across the PA line and, you know, catch some good basketball. They do like day long tournaments. So it's a, it's a cool thing to uh, to check out and you see again, some of the, the young up and comers of college basketball and, and some of them that are NBA players too. Uh, as always rate review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. We'll have some more stuff coming up for you here, uh, later in the week and keep turning some content out. Hopefully the wizards give us something better to talk about. As always, we are presented by betonline.ag. So, uh, give them a look as well and we will catch you guys soon. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. 
Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.